Hi, you're listening to the podcast of First Presbyterian Church in Ogden, Utah. My name is John Draskovic. I'm the pastor here. And what you'll hear is the message, the sermon from the week's worship before. And uh, you can always check out the full service that has the music and our prayers and liturgy on our YouTube channel. If you go to YouTube, you can just search First Presbyterian Church Ogden and you can find us there. We've got all our services recorded, including the, the most recent um, live stream of our, of our service. I hope you enjoy this podcast and you find it to be a blessing. Grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to the worship from Sunday, August 20th here at First Presbyterian Church. And this Sunday we are tackling, I guess you could say, the first half of John chapter 10. Next week we'll take the back half of John chapter 10. And we're continuing on in the journey from John 9 where we have Jesus in Jerusalem and he just healed a man who was born blind. And it happens on a Sabbath, as so often it does. And then there are all these questions that are basically being asked about Jesus' identity. And all of that discourse in John 9, and then it spills into John 10, is about who is Jesus? Is he a prophet? Is he the Messiah? Is he the Son of Man, the one to whom God will give the power of judgment? And we see these uh, themes and Jesus kind of talking about himself in this metaphorical language of I am the good shepherd and I am the gate of the sheepfold. He talks about what it looks like to be the good shepherd and what false shepherds look like or or false leadership looks like. And uh, so that's really what we're going to be exploring this week. And we'll continue that on into the following week, into next week on the 27th, because that theme and that metaphorical language about the shepherding continues on. And and Jesus also, you'll, you'll hear this in the message today, but man, he's drawing on his tradition, right? We cannot separate the New Testament from the Old. You can't separate Jesus from the narratives of Israel and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, because it's all intertwined. And we'll draw that out where this shepherding language kind of comes from. So may this, this message be one that brings you deeper into the identity of Jesus and the life of God. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, give us the words of life today, abundant life, so that our faith may increase and our hearts would be made whole and we would walk in your way. Amen. Well, um, first thing I want to do is point out, right, today's passage is about Jesus, the good shepherd. And that's the theme of John chapter 10. For those of you who are uh, kind of newer to the church, we've been making our way through the gospel of John this year, and we're in chapter 10 right now. The image that's captured here on the cover of your worship guide is a picture I took this week in our chapel. This is one of the original uh, stained glass windows that came from the old church, which dates back, I think, to the 19th century sometime. Um, and so if the, the Unitarian church is in there right now, but uh, at some point, if you ever want to go take a look, it is a beautiful image. And then parallel to it is a stained glass image of Ruth gathering sheaves of wheat. Uh, so I just want to let you know where that's from. But as we're making our way into John 10, one thing I want us to always remember, this is probably a good thing to be reminded of from time to time, is that 
when John was writing his gospel, he didn't put in, now starts chapter 10, verse 1. Right? Those are things we put in after the fact to help us find different places in the Bible. And so it, it just read as one continuous story. And so even though we see, oh, we turn the page to a new chapter, this really is following on what happened in chapter 9, which was Jesus' healing of the blind man and this interaction between the Jerusalem Pharisees about his healing on the Sabbath and they're getting really upset at him and, and wanting to even kill him because of what he was saying about himself in light of this healing. The main questions that were being asked in John chapter 9 were, is Jesus from God or not? Is Jesus a prophet or not? Is he the Messiah or not? Is he the son of man whom God will set as judge over the world? That's what they're really arguing about in John 9, which carries in here to John chapter 10. And those questions are important to hold on to as we hear what Jesus has to say. And there's another clue here of how there's a continuity because the very first part of John chapter 10, Jesus says something that you've probably heard lots if you've read the Bible in the gospels in particular, depending on the translation, verily, verily, I say unto you, or truly, truly, amen, amen, I tell you the truth. This is a phrase that Jesus uses, and in John's gospel in particular, this phrase means I'm summing up what just came before. Okay, so all, all that stuff that just happened, pay attention because I'm going to wrap it up for you. And the thing that I'm about to say is really important. So when you hear that, if you're reading in King James, uh, verily, verily, I say unto you, or truly, truly, very truly, I tell you, your ears should perk up. Okay, what's about to happen here? What's about to be said is important. And today's, today's scripture, this first half of John chapter 10, is really about leadership. And in the first century world, which was different than ours, right? In our world, uh, the leader is like the president. The leader is the CEO. In their world, the leader was the king. The leader was the emperor. And I have to admit, this is a, kind of a, a guilty admission on my part, I have a whole big shelf of my uh, bookcase in my office that's filled with books on leadership, right? Uh, there, it's kind of like a pet interest of mine. I'm always looking at resources for how to be a better and a more effective leader. And I think partially it's because I'm wired that way, but partially it's because of my vocation, my position here at the church. I have this role, and part of that role is to be the kind of leader, the figurehead here. And I, I got to tell you, in Utah in particular, it is an interesting thing to try to describe to people what you do when you're a pastor, because they don't get it. Um, even outside of Utah, it's a challenging thing to describe to people what you do when you're a pastor, because they're like, well, what, what do you do all week, you know? I'm like, I don't know, but it takes up a lot of my time. <laughs> um, I have, I have my role on Sunday morning, right, as the leader here. And that role is part resident theologian. It is part spiritual teacher. And it is part the mouthpiece of the prayers of the congregation. It's part teacher. 
But I have another role from Monday through Thursday because I take Friday, Saturday off, and I try to do that. But that role is I'm like the executive director of a nonprofit. I look at budgets and I send more emails than I care to admit. I also am a counselor. I'm also part-time chaplain and the occasional plumber. Being the leader of this church is part of my job. And there are lots and lots of different metrics and ideas about what it is to be an effective or a good leader. And as a matter of fact, just this week, as I was preparing for today, I came across this article in the Harvard Business Review about the characteristics that make for the best leaders. It was interesting. And as much as I appreciated the tips that I gleaned out of that article, I will tell you that the Christian standard of leadership is different than the Harvard Business Review's standard. We see the standard of leadership in our scripture today. What makes a good and effective leader? And Jesus uses two of his I am statements, which show up all over the place in John, to speak about himself as the leader. He says, I am the good shepherd. And then he goes on to say, I am the gate for the sheepfold. And then he goes on to flesh out what it looks like to be this kind of a leader. And we get a criterion for what true leadership is compared to what false leadership is. The questions about leadership boil down, basically, to the question of how we can tell who God's true appointed king is when he comes. And so let me first start with the, the false leader. Okay, Jesus talks about a thief or a bandit who comes in not by the gate, but tries to jump in over the fence and the sheep don't know his voice. Tries to steal the sheep. And we're familiar with the kind of leadership, I think most of us probably are, if you pay any attention to the news, you've seen it, which is pretty much an overextension of somebody's overinflated ego. This is where the ultimate goal for the leader is for them to look good at any cost. Right? This is where the leader doesn't love, doesn't care about, isn't thinking about the best interest of the people that they're leading. They're really thinking about what's best for them. Their stock options. Their poll numbers. Everything and everyone else is instrumental to this leader's glory. And it doesn't just have to be in politics, and this doesn't just have to be in business. It can be the pastor of your church, too. And so I always have to keep myself in check around that. And speaking, speaking of pastors, real quick aside here, um, I want to address this metaphor that we have about the shepherd, right? Because a lot of times people talk about the pastor as the shepherd of the congregation. And uh, that metaphor works to a certain extent, but I think it misses something here, right? Jesus is the shepherd. He's the one who calls us by name. We hear his voice and we follow after it. He's the shepherd that protects us. He is the shepherd that knows where we're going and leads us on the way. The pastor is like the sheepdog. If you've ever seen somebody 
herding sheep, which we do actually have here in Utah, you know what the sheepdog's job is? Is to keep the sheep pointed towards the shepherd. To keep them from wandering too far. And, and pointing those sheep back at who the real shepherd is. I think that's my job. I am a glorified sheepdog. But I don't bite. Says this one really rang true over here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you. She she has uh, her poop bag with her for her dog, so so we're covered. So I think I think part of what our scripture is telling us today is the mark of a true leader, right? If that's what a false leader looks like, the one who's all about their own glory and their own ego and using people as instruments for themselves, the true leader. The mark of a true shepherd is the cross, right? And throughout the last couple chapters, we've seen that Jesus has started to face a lot of threats. People want to take him outside of town and kill him. They want to stone him. And now he declares that a violent death isn't just a possibility. It's not just a potentiality. It's the road that he knows he has to walk. It's his destiny almost. It's his vocation as the true shepherd the one whom God loves, it's to lay his life down for the sheep. He's telling us that right there. This, this is, he goes on to say, this is why the father loves me, is because I voluntarily lay my life down for my sheep. And now there are lots, believe me, I can bring you to my office and I can show you the volumes of the very dense, very high level theology that's been written that tries to explain why is it that Jesus had to die? Why did the story unfold this way? Why does he end up hung on a cross? But I think the best explanation for why this had to happen, why Jesus had to die, isn't in abstract theology, but it's in a parable about a shepherd and some sheep. When the sheep are in danger, when they are being threatened by predators, the shepherd voluntarily goes out and meets that threat before it reaches the herd. And if necessary, the shepherd takes upon himself the fate that was destined for those sheep. And in Jesus' case, it was necessary and he accepted our fate. He faced the threat so that we didn't have that. And Jesus says the way that he goes about this is why the father loves him. He lays down his life with obedient faithfulness and a faithful obedience. And when he does this, he witnesses to the truth. That full, abundant life, he said, he came to bring comes from being faithfully obedient and obediently faithful to the father. But the thing about the truth is there are a lot of lies out there. And we have to choose, how are we going to live? Who are we going to choose to follow? Are we going to, what is our truth to guide us? And we can follow Jesus' truth. But if you do, people who are living by lies aren't going to like what you're doing. Now, he goes on to say that he's not content. Jesus, as the good shepherd, isn't content just to rescue This little flock of sheep. He says, I've got sheep of other flocks that you don't even know about. And they have danger that they're facing as well. They're not part of this fold. 
this fold being the people of Israel. And so he's going to go call them, and those who are ready to hear his call will respond. They'll trust him, and they'll come to him, and thank God that they had. Otherwise, unless you grew up Jewish, you wouldn't be here right now. Right? The Gentile church came out of that other flock that Jesus said he came to call. And this lines right up with the prophets of Israel, who have said all along that God is using Israel, not just so that Israel would be God's own special, wonderful people, but so that they would be an example to spread and to call all nations, so that all nations would flow to the mountain of the Lord, because God desires that none would be lost, and all would receive his salvation. And therefore, those people, for Israel, it was the Gentiles, those people, whoever those people are, to us today, they're part of God's sheepfold as well. Yes, the Gentiles are no longer the wolves. They're actually sheep. They're part of the flock. And this is how uh, or why we're tempted to live by a lie. The lie being that those people are the enemy. They're the problem. If we just got rid of them, then things would be better. If you don't understand that, just watch presidential debates. And you'll see who those people are. The real enemy, right, that's the lie. Because the real enemy, the truth is, the enemy is not a people at all. It's not anyone. The real enemy is the evil that runs right down the middle of our own hearts. That's the enemy that we're called to fight against. In the image of the shepherd, Jesus the good shepherd, and the image of the sheep as God's people, that plays actually a really large role in the Old Testament. It's not just something that Jesus talks about. If you read the Psalms, it's all of it. Think of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. That's the first line. It's all over Isaiah. It's in the prophets as well. And I think one of the most instructive places, and I'm going to read a section for you. It's a little bit long, but I think it's worth it. It's from Ezekiel. Now, Ezekiel, he's like, he's the prophet in the Old Testament that's like, here's normal, and then he's like out the door. Right? But I think Ezekiel's friends were like, that guy, he's been hitting the sauce a little too early this morning. Right? He's bizarre. But in Ezekiel 34, he has this beautiful image. And this is where I think Jesus is drawing a lot of this imagery from. So I'm going to read it. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Woe to you, shepherds of Israel, who only take care of yourselves. There's the false leader. Can you hear it? Should not shepherds take care of the flock? Yeah, you eat the curds, you clothe yourselves with the wool, you slaughter the choice animals, but you don't take care of them. You haven't strengthened the weak, you haven't healed the sick, you haven't bound up the injured, you've not brought back the strays or searched for the lost. Does this sound familiar? This sounds just like Jesus, doesn't it? You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because they, were, they had no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. And my sheep wandered over the mountains on every high hill, scattered over the earth with nobody searched for them. 
This is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looked after his scattered flock when he's with them, so will I look after my sheep. I'm going to rescue them from all the places where they were scattered. And I'll place over them one shepherd, my servant David, which is like code word for my Messiah, my coming king. And he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David, the Messiah, will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. You are my sheep, the sheep of my pasture, and I am your God, declares the sovereign Lord. This is the language that Jesus draws upon when he talks about himself as the good shepherd. But it kind of, I don't know if you heard it, there's like a tension here, which begs the question, well, who's the shepherd? Is it God or is it the Messiah? Right? Is it, is it the son of David or is it the Lord Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? And Ezekiel doesn't answer the question. He leaves the tension there. He just points to the future. And we don't know what the answer is until we get to John chapter 10 and we see, yes. Is it God? Yes. Is it the Messiah? Yes. Those two things line up in the person of Jesus. Yes. God's yes in Jesus. And he talks about the relationship between the shepherd and the sheep. He says, the gatekeeper opens the gate and the sheep hear his voice. He calls to his sheep by name and leads them out. He goes ahead of them and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. This is speaking about a really intimate relationship here. A shepherd spends a lot of time with his sheep so that they hear him and they follow him. And this is kind of a silly example, but some of you saw my dog, Sonny, here this morning. Um, and, some, and if you come over to fellowship, you too will see Sonny, and she'll visit you looking for food. In my family, I spend the most time with my dog, Sonny. And so unless Rosie is around with treats in her pocket, she listens to me the most. Shh. This drives my kids nuts because they want her to listen to them. But she and I spend the most time together. And if any of you have had pets, you understand how that works, right? That intimacy. I can call her in a way that nobody else can. She hears my voice and she listens to it. Except for when she doesn't. (laughs) So part of following Jesus is learning to hear his voice, spending the time with him, building that intimacy and vulnerability. And so I want you all to remember that to hear the good shepherd's voice, you got to get to know what his voice sounds like. So spend your time in prayer. Spend your time reading the gospels. Learn what Jesus' voice sounds like so that you can hear it in the time of trouble and respond to it. And he goes on there to talk about himself as the gate. He says, I am the gate of the sheepfold. And there's another Old Testament allusion here. And this comes right right at the end of Moses' life, as he's about ready to transition leadership from him to the next person we know is going to be Joshua. This is in Numbers 27. And so he says, let the Lord appoint a man over the congregation who will go out before them and come in before them. 
who will lead them out and bring them in that the congregation of the Lord may not be as a sheep which has no shepherd. Man, it is all over the Old Testament, isn't it? Yeah, that was Joshua. In Hebrew, Joshua means God saves or the Lord is my deliverance. And guess what Jesus' name is? It's Jesus is the Greek version of Joshua. The Lord saves. The Lord is my deliverance. And in many of the ancient Near East sheepfolds, the shepherd at night would actually lay down across the gate. They would act as the gate to keep the sheep in and the predators out. And Jesus indicates that this is how he keeps his sheep in. Because he's not looking after his own interests, but his priority is the sheep. And so if you find a leader like that, you find a king like that, you have found the Lord's anointed. And so these are all pieces of the puzzle that John's putting together. And we're going to continue on in the back half of John chapter 10 as Jesus reveals, continues to reveal his identity. And he'll help us answer those questions that we've been asking. Is Jesus from God or not? Is he a prophet or not? Is he the Messiah or not? Is he the son of man? The one whom God has set to judge the world. So let's pray together. Lord, thank you for being our good shepherd. Thank you for being the one who is willing to lay down your life for us. Thank you for showing us what leadership looks like and inviting us to be leaders in this world. Lord, may we spend the time with you to know what your voice sounds like so that we can respond to your call when we hear it. That still, small voice. Lord, thank you for being the shepherd of our souls. May we follow you always and everywhere. And we pray it in the name of our good shepherd, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, thank you so much for spending your time with us here at First Presbyterian Church. If you're ever in town in Ogden on Sunday morning, come by at 10 o'clock and we'd love to visit with you and meet you. Uh, We're here at 880 28th Street. And if you like the work that we do here, if you like this podcast, if you like our live stream, which you can always watch the full service on, on our YouTube channel, I'd encourage you to make a financial gift to help support the ministry here. We cannot do what we do without good people who believe in what we're doing and the word and the ministry that we're proclaiming. Uh, We need you to help us continue to do this. And so you can go to our website and you can give that way. That's probably the easiest way. www.fpc, as in First Presbyterian Church, ogden, O-G-D-E-N, dot O-R-G. Thank you again, and we look forward to seeing you here next week.